Hello and welcome to the Daily Royal. My name is Shelby and I have been a royal watcher for the past 10 years. In this podcast, I talk about the daily events of seven of the European monarchies. So I talk about Belgium, the UK, Denmark, the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, and Sweden. I upload Monday through Friday with occasional bonus episodes here and there. Today is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Welcome back, guys. Um, I'm still getting used to the fact that there's no, like, I'm not doing the daily intro. Um, so it still feels a little strange for me every now and then. Um, but today was kind of busy. So three royal families had events, but, like, there were several events in each household. So um, we're going to have a fairly normal episode today, I think. Um, And then on top of that, there is some royal news going on with one of the monarchies I don't typically talk about um, that I'm pretty interested in. So I want to share a little bit about that. We'll do that at the end. If you listened yesterday, you know what it is. If you're new today, stay tuned. We'll talk about it at the end. So we are going to jump right in with the British royal family. There was nothing today from Belgium. Their calendar still isn't updated. They're still showing events that happened on the 31st as upcoming. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I'm just going to assume that it's a vacation week for Belgium. um, And we'll just jump in with the UK. So today, in terms of in-person events, we had just one. So today, the Duchess of Cornwall had a series of in-person events in the London neighborhood of Herringy. Um, So she is the first British royal to have in-person appearances. Actually, like, anything public official engagement-wise since the Easter holiday. So today she started by her day by visiting the Lordship Lane Vaccination Center, um, which is a community vaccination center with the NHS, GPs, uh, g- general practitioners, and various other health organizations are all having their patients and people come to that location. Um, so this center is actually like apparently extremely efficient because during their operating hours, it's typical for them to do one jab, one injection per minute. So I've mentioned I was in a pretty efficient vaccination um, situation. Like it seemed to run really smoothly. Um, I'll let you guys know how it is when I go back for my second injection, um, which is in It's in like two weeks still. I don't have to go back. It's like 24 days after my first one. Um, But I'm going back in like the morning and my appointment was, I was literally, because I got it as a, like a walk-in kind of thing. I was literally the last person, uh, one of the last people at my site to get vaccinated that day. So it went fairly smoothly. Um, So I'm interested to see how it goes when it's busier. But with all of that, um, I just think one per like 
this where I got mine was not one per minute. No way. Um, and it was a mass scale vaccination site. Um, I know this weekend the place I got mine done did like 500 or so um, in one day. So like it does, it, it did a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it'll go. Um, but it was nowhere near one per minute. Um, so that was her first visit. Um, and then next she visited the Whiteman Road Mosque, where she spent time learning about how the center has helped com the community throughout the entire 2020 and pandemic. I really think we should stop. I think I should stop calling it the 2020 because it is like now, um, early April. We've been doing this for over a year. It's 2021. I think it's officially time that like we just call it the pandemic. I just call it the pandemic. Um, I was really trying to limit it to just 2020, but we're so far into 2021 that like, yeah, COVID is going to be the narrative for this year too. You know, like it, it just, it just is. <laughs> um, so that was, um, that's a little ramble there. Um, so that was her visit to the mosque. So they do lots of different things, um, community food bank, meal delivery, etc. So that was the public event. Um, also, shout out to Camilla's mask game because it is incredibly strong. Today she was re-wearing a leopard print mask, but like rocks it every time. Um, and then because she was visiting a mosque, she did also have a head wrap on at through points of her day. Um, I don't know. She just looked, she looked fabulous. Um, so yeah, that was the public stuff. So now we are going to check the court circular. I've already pulled it up because I'm efficient today. Um, so we will start with, um, Clarence House, um, which is the Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall. So the only thing that we haven't talked about, um, is the Prince of Wales this morning held a meeting with the chairman and CEO for Bank of America via telephone. I have questions, but I'm guessing it's like sustainable markets um, initiative stuff. So I find that interesting. And then it just talks about um, the two visits that Camilla did. Um, and then nothing from the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge or Queen Elizabeth herself. So who knows when that'll come back. Um, Okay, so that is what was going on in the UK. Now we are jumping down to the Netherlands because there was nothing in Denmark today. is added again with the intense work day. I love it. Um, so today there were three events in with the Dutch royal family. Um, so first we have my traditional favorite event, but like you all know this by now. Um, I personally love when new ambassadors present their credentials. Um, so today King Willem Alexander received credentials for the new ambassadors to the Netherlands from the Philippines as well as Colombia. Um, yeah, I, 
I love these. I think I talk about every every time I talk about why I love these so much. Um, but really, for me, it is just, like, I love tradition. Um, and so when we talk about, as I continue on this series of, like, talking about monarchies that I don't talk about frequently or ever really, um, when we talk about the Vatican, um, you will hear some of, like, my love for tradition and history. Um, I am not Catholic and, like, thoroughly detest most religions. However, I love the history and the, like, staunch traditions of the of the Vatican um, and specifically, like, selecting a new pope and everything. I love it. So I think this kind of goes along with that. Like, this is an age-old ceremony that has been done for hundreds and hundreds of years and has barely changed. Um, I don't know. I just love it and I love, like foreign relations and international everything obviously um and so this is just like a really cool combination of all of my things that I like plus normally it's the only time at least right now that we can see these heads of state in full regalia or in Will Alexander's case like he's in a, a morning coat so he's a little more casual than most um but it's still just really nice so that was the first thing and then uh, Willem Alexander also held a meeting with the chairman of the Senate and the vice president for the Council of State, uh, where they are continuing talks about the cabinet formation. So I want to do a good bit of research on what's going on in the Dutch politic right now. Um, but because it seems like Willem Alexander is kind of getting involved in like cabinet formation. I do want to talk about it a little bit. However, I really want to talk about this thing um, at the end of this episode. So I might save that for tomorrow or do the research and hope that he has something in the next couple of days about cabinet formation. That way I can really talk about it more. Um, but if the Dutch royal family doesn't have anything tomorrow and they have nothing scheduled, it doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. Um, but if they don't have anything, maybe I will talk about uh, Willem Alexander's role, but also a little bit about what's going on there, if you're interested. Um, so that was next. And then also today, uh, Queen Maxima visited two locations, um, a school called the Valentine School, which I love that name. I'm sure it is named for like something else. Um, but I just think that's a really cute name for a school. Um, and then as well as a chemical company called Huntsman Holland. Um, so the visit was focused on this pilot project that the Dutch government is doing for education and industrial workspaces um, that focuses on testing. So COVID testing, I guess I should clarify. Um, so they are doing, um, at Huntsman Holland, they're doing, um, like self-testing kind of. So they, the employees walk in every morning and they do a breath test, which apparently is super accurate and will tell you within minutes whether you are COVID positive or not. I have questions because we have a few in the States, we have a few at home tests, like for self-testing approved, but you can't buy them anywhere, um, at least that I have found and I've been looking because I was so nervous about COVID and because of my like traditional day job, if I have any symptoms, like I've had this cough 
off and on since September. Um, so if I have any symptoms, I want to be able to just rapidly test and know quickly. That way I'm not taking a couple days off work to get tested and then wait for the results, kind of all of that. So like this breath test I have questions about and I'm super curious about. Um, and then at the school, so they're doing rapid tests twice a week for teachers. Not for students, but for teachers. So just to make sure like the teachers are safe to be at work. So I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. What a, um, I'm sure this is going to be a pretty common thing, um, down the road. Um, I can see it happening more in the EU than I can particularly in the States. Um, just because the States have such a, uh, what's the word I want to use? A toxic work culture, (laughs) um, where people go to work you know, basically on death's door, um, because they hate taking time off or it taking time off is super frowned upon. Um, like our work toxic, our work environments here are just really not great. Um, but in the EU where they have better, um, work environments and they are, you know, focused on no one is perfect. Again, I want to stress this. Like, sometimes I feel like I talk about the EU like it's a utopia, which I definitely do. Um, but, like, they do have a stronger commitment to their people in most EU countries. So it's not frowned upon. If you're sick, don't go to work. Um, take vacation time. Take mental health time. Like, do all of those things and don't feel bad about it um, is more of the attitude versus here where um, people can't imagine taking more than like five days off work, you know, for a, a week, a week vacation, they take five days and then they have technically nine days off. Um, but like, it's crazy. Um, so I don't know, I think that's really cool. And I, I would like to see um, some more of this being done in, especially in the royal families that are doing a lot more COVID-specific visits. Um, But for countries that aren't, like Spain, where we're about to go, who knows what's going to happen? So let's head over to Spain now. Obviously, there was nothing going on in Norway, otherwise we wouldn't be already in Spain. Um, Norway, it looks like they're returning to work tomorrow, so yay for that. Um, So today, Spain, y'all, they're just busy. They are busy people in that country. Um, Quick update on my soccer fan becoming, I I don't know, becoming my football soccer fan. Um, so I didn't, I did not watch the game. Um, that was basically a repeat of the Copa del Rey. 
Um, I did, however, look up the score and it was a tie. So I really thought the Bilbao team was like going to come back with a vengeance and they did not. They tied 1-1. So that's my little update on me becoming a football slash soccer fan. Um, I still can't just call it football. I will... I don't do that. I I can't. I'm trying to break my American ways, but I have lived here and called it soccer my entire life. So forgive me. I know it's a crime. Um, But anyway, today, King Felipe and Queen Letizia, they had together... um, So King Felipe had three events and Queen Letizia had her only event of the week. But still, um, there's a lot going on. So, we will start with King Felipe first. So, first he held an audience with the board of directors of Burge and Company, uh, which is celebrating its 150th anniversary of business. Um, so, they started out as a small shipping company in Bilbao, um, which is in the Basque country. It's in the northern part of Spain. Bilbao is actually, I think, along the border of France, um, or near the Basque country, um, is along the border. In fact, some of the Basque country is in France, um, is French. So it's, it's very interesting up there. Um, but now Bergen Company is an international logistics company focusing on, um, obviously transportation logistics as well as like, uh, transportation of cars. So that was first, and then King Felipe held an audience with the governing board of the official College of Telecommunication Engineers, which is celebrating, I think it's 100th anniversary, or 100th anniversary of the, like, creation of this role. Um, This is related, but not really. So I have mentioned several times that I am learning Spanish, um, and part of that for me is watching shows um, in Spanish. However, I try to watch, like, shows that were created, um, out of Spain in Spanish. Like, not, um, American shows just with Spanish dubs, um, but try and watch, like, the original Spanish version of new shows. And I just started Cable Girls. Well, it's the second time I've started it. The first time... I was not in a good headspace and this is a show because it's in Spanish for me like I have to pay more attention because I'm not a native speaker um so I restarted it this morning I'm I'm in episode one like no one get excited um but it's very interesting because it was set in like 1928 um and it's all about you know like telecommunication um so kind of related but not not but I really like the show and if you don't speak Spanish that's okay they it's on it's on Netflix and it will I think play in English if you have an American Netflix account it'll play with the English dubs over it um I think just on its own I don't think you have to switch it up um so that was next for King Felipe and then he also finally held an audience with Um, representatives of the Association of Victims of Terrorism, which is different than the Foundation for Victims of Terrorism, which is confusing because they have almost identical names, but Association and Foundation are very different. Um, So they, this organization was created in 1981 
um, and was a little more focused on national domestic terrorism. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but in 1975, I think, um, yeah, 75, uh, uh, Spain came out of a dictatorship. And then there was a ton of clash between left-leaning politicals and right-leaning politicals about how the country should run, um, and lots of things were happening. Um, and so there were just really bad domestic terrorist events from both sides. Um, this is the one time where, like, saying both sides were at fault here is a reasonable thing to say, um, because even still, like, it's not as prevalent now, but, like, there were right-wing terrorist operations, and then there were also, um, like, left-wing, which is, um, like, separatists, like, Basque separatists and Catalonian separatists, um, would cause terrorist events as well, um, and so this was this organization, this association was created out of that. Um, so today they awarded King Felipe with their award called the Truth, Memory, Dignity, and Justice Award. Um, and so the organization wanted to present this award to the king for, quote, his constant and unconditional public support for the victims of terrorism, his presence in the hardest and most painful moments, the closeness and affection that he has always shown to the victims of terrorism and their families, and especially for his immense respect for those who suffered or had their lives taken from them in defense of freedom, unquote. So I've talked about this. Um, we talked about this in March. We talked about this last March. Um, King Felipe, as the Prince of Astorias, and now as king, um, has made a really prominent effort to continually honor victims of terrorism, um, both publicly and, like, away from the spotlight. So his first event after being proclaimed king, so, like, his first public event, um, aside from, like, his first meeting with the Prime Minister, but, like, I don't know. I think it was, like, the next week um, he and Letizia visited the Foundation for the Victims of Terrorism um, as, like, their first public event as King and Queen um, because it does hold such an importance to him um, in general. So, and then as well as his support through other countries that are experiencing terrorist attacks. Um, his UN speeches have, mis have uh, mentioned terrorism, I think both of them. So he gave one in 14 as like his introduction speech um, to the United Nations as head of state for Spain. But then he also gave a UN speech in 2016, I think. Um, where he, again, like, focused on terrorism um, and how it is a problem, and it's a terrible problem. Um, and any time there's, like, an international terrorist attack, he and Letizia will typically visit the embassy. Um, he even um, 
they even visited like the U.S. embassy. There was a horrible shooting at a Orlando um, gay nightclub, and he and Leticia visited the embassy uh, in Madrid for the U.S. Um, to show their support for that because that's like a whole different kind of domestic terrorism, but like pretty intense one. Um, so that was his award. Okay. I went on because I just admire his work in uh, support for terrorism, like not support for terrorism, support for victims of terrorism so much. Um, okay, so then we go on to Queen Letizia's solo event of the week. Um, so today she attended a working meeting for the Mutua Madrilena Foundation, uh, which focuses on assisting the people of Madrid or Madrilenos, um, helping them to improve their lives. Um, and currently, right now, with a special focus on the employment problem. So, Spain, like some other EU countries, is having a hard time with young people and their um, employment. And it's there seems to just be a lack of jobs. I... It's just really sad, and the numbers are staggeringly bad um, for Spain. Like, specifically, their under-30 population, like, cannot get jobs. Um, it's just really hard. It's really hard in Spain if to get a job. Um, I'm not entirely sure why, but, like, there just don't seem to be enough jobs around. Um, and so people who are like, fully educated are doing, um, you know, menial work or nothing at all. Um, it's just, it's really bad. And so, uh, Mutual Madrileno, Madrilena is working on that. Um, so that's what was going on in Spain. That brings us to the end of the traditional, uh, talking through of this, of this day. Um, but now we are going to talk a little bit about this alleged sort of kind of coup situation attempt in the country of Jordan. So over the weekend, um, I was scrolling on social media and noticed that a prince in the Jordan royal family was all of a sudden in house arrest. Um, I think this was probably two days after I recorded um, the episode where I talked a little bit about Jordan. Um, so just a small refresher, Jordan is in the Middle East. Um, they are a semi-constitutional monarchy, which means that the king does have some authority. He can name high-level government officials. Um, the king is currently King Abdullah II. Um, and this prince is his half-brother. So Abdullah II's father had um, several wives. I don't think he had wives at the same time, but he had several wives in general. Um, and so this is from his marriage with... Um, anyway, the king and this prince Hamza are half-brothers. Anyway, um... So it was reported that Prince Hamza was in house arrest um, due to talks about um, the governing of Jordan. 
So I think I was saying in this episode that I recorded that I thought Jordan was an extremely modern monarchy, which to some extent they are. Um, They are of their region, the most um, modern and also the most stable. So obviously if you live in the world, you know that the Middle East has some challenges um, and that Jordan is kind of like the most okay of them all. Um, However, the country has been hit really hard by COVID. They were already experiencing some economic trouble um, and COVID has just, of course, amplified that. So Prince Hamza was previously, up until 2004, the crown prince. Um, In 2004, King Abdullah named his oldest son, um, who is now Crown Prince Hussein, who I think he's my age. He's like 27 or 28. Um, but in 2004, let's see, we I was 11, so he was 11 or 12. Um, and so previously, Prince Hamza was Crown Prince and relatively popular. Um... And he was just talking with government officials, and this is kind of the the, the narratives that he was talking, and it wasn't a, a full-fledged plan. Um, however, word got around, and he sent out a video message where he explained that he now believes he's in house arrest. Um he went on to kind of rail against the government, um, but never mentioning his half-brother, King Abdullah, by name. So it's pretty, it's like, it's still being flushed out, and this is why um, I did want to wait a little while to talk about it, but it seems like clearly it's a failed attempt. Um, A lot of allegiances have been um, made in the standing behind King Abdullah. Um, but it's just really interesting because, you know, one minute you can think like, okay, Jordan's pretty stable, which all in all, they still are (laughs) the most stable, um, in the region. They've had the same government structure. They haven't been partaking in any particular wars. Um, like they're, they're relatively, chill. Um, however, this is kind of questioning, like putting a question on that. Are they, or are they another country kind of slated in that area for doom? Um, it'll be interesting to watch this. I think I've mentioned I'm a super political person. If you were around during the presidential election in the States, you will know this. Um, I didn't sleep for basically a week because I was watching an election. Um, I think I might have stopped recording that week because I was just like so focused on the election and results and county by county and it was just insanity. Um, But this is something like I have really um, over the past couple of years really become focused on international politics and international affairs um, and just like things going on around the world because I hate not knowing things and so I want to be informed of what's going on in the world. 
Um, so that's kind of where the thing is at in Jordan. Um, Prince Hamza has written an allegiance to the king uh, note. I don't think he is technically... The Jordan government says he's not under house arrest. He says he is. It's hard. Um, I don't think the U.S. State Department has really weighed in on this. Um, I've kind of been watching a little bit about that as well. Um, because it, I think we have said publicly that we support King Abdullah in the country. Um but I'm not sure. Um, okay, so the U.S. State Department, King, of, King Abdullah of Jordan, has our full support. Um, King Abdullah is a key partner of the United States and has our full support amid reports that his half-brother, uh, Prince Hamza, has been questioned in relation to a plot to destabilize the country. Um so they have not claimed a coup attempt, and they're kind of, I mean, they're not the um, end-all be-all by any stretch of the imagination, but for me, like, now, <laughs> I'm a little more trusting of my State Department. Um, so it says, like, um, details surrounding the, the incident still remain super unclear, um, and it's just really confusing. So, that is what's going on in Jordan. It's intense. It's kind of scary. Um, but it also seems to be resolving. And I heard something today. I can't remember what I was listening to. Um, but it seems like King Abdullah has kind of taken it among himself to resolve it within the family. And not so much publicly um, is the hope so that is what's going on there. So with that, I'm going to end the episode um, here, a little update for tomorrow. So I am fully ready to go with the remaining countries of the monarchies that I don't talk about. If there's time, we'll go through them. Um, this week, I want to try and shoot for 35 minute episodes. So if the slowdown, if the events kind of continue like they are, we'll have um, about 10 minutes or so, give or take, um, to talk about the royal families that I don't talk about. Um, when that's up, we'll just go back to tradition, completely normal, um, daily roundups. So that's what's going on. Um, Tomorrow will probably be my last episode of the week. I'll go back to Monday through Friday. Um, so I'll record tomorrow for Friday and then we'll meet back up on Monday. So just a heads up, that's where we're headed. Um, so with that, I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. Uh, visit all the things. Dailyroyal.com, Daily Royal on Instagram. Like and review this podcast. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Bye.